Weighing Machine was created to help you, the financial advisor or investor, reach your long-term financial goals. Each episode, your hosts, Rusty Vanneman and I, Robin Murray, cut through the market glamour to find the time-tested principles that help investors succeed. The Weighing Machine is inspired by the classic investing saying attributed to Benjamin Graham. The stock market is a voting machine in the short term and a weighing machine over the long run. In other words, emotion and expectations drive short-term market movement, but fundamentals and valuations determine returns over time. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. Enjoy, and as always, let us know what you think. On the podcast today, we answer your questions. How should investors respond to the biggest issues facing markets today? We will also take a look at inflation, interest rates, geopolitics, global debt, and much more. That's with our guest, Bob Baker, president of Advanced Asset Management Advisors, otherwise known as AAMA. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. I'm Rusty Vanneman. And I'm Robin Murray. Okay, let's start with a look at the markets. How is the second quarter shaping up so far? Well, we are recording this early in the second quarter, but here's some of the highlights right now. Inflation at a 40-year high. Interest rates, when we look at like 10-year treasury yields, have almost doubled on the year already and with the potential to move higher. Mortgage rates are the highest they've been in 10 years. Lots of recession talk. Ukraine, forgot to mention that. What we need is somebody who's been managing a lot of money for a long time to figure this out for us. All right. Well, let's bring him in. Our guest today is Bob Baker, president of Advanced Asset Management Advisors, AAMA in Ohio. Bob, welcome back to The Weighing Machine. Thanks, Robin and Rusty. I'm happy to be here today. Great. Well, the last time you were on, this is about the time when we started our walk-up song tradition. And we have a lot of great walk-up songs, but arguably for a money manager, you had perhaps the best one. It was Opportunities, Let's Make Some Money by the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. Are you sticking with that walk-up song or should we expand our list? That's a good one, but I've given this some more thought. And I thought maybe I would go with a little bit of James Brown today. Papa's got a brand new bag. <laughs> and that kind of All goes right. along with reinventing yourself and staying current. So, Oh, I like it. Nice. We'll be talking about that. It's great. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, Bob, for those who didn't catch you when you were on the show last time, can you tell us more about your firm AAMA and your career background? I'd be happy to. I started AAMA back in 1999. Over the years, we've grown from a single person shop into uh, seven associates. And in 2001, my business partner and good friend, Phil Volker, joined me at AAMA and he's our chief investment officer. And now we have five other associates that assist in managing the assets and servicing the assets and working with a lot of advisors on the Orion platform. Today, we manage just a little bit over a billion dollars in assets under management and assets under advisement. On the platform, we've got a whole suite of risk-adjusted portfolios. They consist of some mutual fund portfolios, some ETF portfolios, some domestic portfolios. And we have a whole global series for those uh, advisors who want to mix in a dedicated piece of international exposure to the portfolios. And we're located in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. All right. Well, AMA recently published an article on your website about why advisors and investors should consider working with smaller boutique strategist firms and emerging managers. Can you walk us through some of the key messages from that article? Sure. I'd be happy to. 
You know, we started in the uh, TAMP business back in 2003 with Orion or FTJ Fund Choice back in those days. And we realized pretty quickly that every strategist would like to have 100% of a portfolio. But in reality, most investors and most advisors are going to be most well served to have their portfolios allocated amongst a couple strategists, uh, diversification, control risk. And not all firms can be everything to all clients. And, and we've been a firm that has always said that over the years that we fit in nicely to a uh, allocated portfolio amongst a couple strategists. And, you know, we firmly believe that client expectations and consistencies is a key to positive experiences. And I think with a smaller firm like ours, a more of a boutique firm, the advisor can actually pick up, up the phone and get a hold of myself or Phil Volker. And we're happy to talk to advisors about our portfolios and how they're being structured today. So we like to think that a smaller to medium size asset base gives us that flexibility that people can get a hold of us. I think it's true. You know, on Orion Portfolio Solutions, the platform there, how advisors allocate their assets, it is basically a split, almost 50-50 between the big brand name firms and the other 50% with the boutique emerging managers. And I think you're right. So obviously with brand names, there's a lot of good people, a lot of resources, but they have a lot of clients. And so those smaller firms often are providing the better service in many cases for advisors and for investors as well. So I've also many years of doing due diligence. There is sort of that I guess, sort of the optics that when you're building a portfolio that you want to look like you're turning over a lot of rocks and discovering managers a lot of people don't know about. And obviously, you can add additional returns to it, but you match them with a the brand name. And it usually is a pretty good recipe for many investors. All right. So another article on your website, and we already teased this out, was one that you wrote, and that was called Staying Relevant to Clients as Their Expectations Change. And it talks about some of the, the lessons you've learned over the decades that you've been serving investors. What were some of the key lessons from that article? You know, I've been in the investment business for 41 years now, and what I've learned is nothing stays the same. Sure, the basics of fundamental market valuation and analysis has stayed the same, but there's always something changing, whether the Fed's uh, pumping money into the system at record levels that we've never seen, and then within a matter of a couple months started to take that same liquidity out of the market raise short-term interest rates pretty dramatically and cause the 10-year to almost double in yield, as you mentioned earlier, Rusty. So change is always going to happen. You know, we live in a 24-7 instant access world. Many times I've said over the years, you know, how much more can the markets tolerate without the rubber band breaking and we go through a major, major correction? Well, then, the Ukraine situation happens. And, you know, we're on the brink of World War III, potentially, and the markets hang in there. Sure, they correct a little bit, but they I don't think they've gone down anywhere near what a lot of us thought they might with that kind of confrontation going on between a superpower like Russia and the Ukraine. Well, you touched upon the markets. And as we all know, during this time, even though there's still a lot of positives, such as the economy has incredible momentum, investor sentiment's really low, consumer sentiment is really, really low. And that's like almost across all demographics, all income levels, ages, sex, about any way you cut the data, people are bummed out. So let's talk about some of these topics that, that we're dealing with right now. 
Of course, it's a typical laundry list. And let's start with the one that probably is causing the most angst with more investors. Obviously, there's others that other people rate higher, but inflation is causing a lot of problems in a lot of ways. What are you currently counseling about inflation? What are you currently doing in portfolios about inflation? Well, and um, uh, as you and, and, and Robin know, Rusty, that inflation drives so many things in the investment arena. You know, it drives interest rates. It drives valuation of the equity market, borrowing costs, consumer prices, all those things play into inflation. And, you know, we've kind of stayed the course where we have been and that we have been overweighted to healthcare and we've been underweighted to financials. We haven't quite bought into this, the potential opportunities in the financial markets just because they've been restating a lot of their loan loss reserves. And that's kind of what pumped up their earnings last year. They didn't have quite the write-offs that they had accrued for within their um, balance sheet. So at some point in the future, you know, I think the financials will be an opportunity, normally in a higher interest rate environment. That's a good situation for the banks, but I think it's going to take us a little bit more time to get to the higher level of interest rates. Well, you just mentioned interest rates. So what is your counsel and course of action because of interest rates are rising and they have the potential to rise so much higher? Well, in our fixed income sleeves, we have stayed very short in duration or maturity. We've stayed very high quality in governments. So we've basically taken no credit risk. But even the short end of the yield curve, you know, you've seen some depreciation in bond prices there. And the only really true place to hide is in a money market fund. But money market funds uh, are still at substantially low, low, re- low yields. And uh, a lot of these funds are being closed right now. Absolutely. All right. So another concern, I guess you could say the bond market is is still overvalued because interest rates are low by historical standards. But when we look at the stock market, when you look at traditional valuation metrics, the stock market is expensive. How do you respond to investors saying the stock market is, in, is expensive and what are you doing about it? Sure. Well, and as we've all seen that the market is less expensive today than it was a couple months ago because prices have deteriorated. But the big thing in, in terms of the stock market is we try to stay overweighted to those sectors that have decent forward-looking growth rates, earnings growth rates, without being overly valued. And that's one of the reasons why we've uh, stayed with healthcare. It's one of the most undervalued sectors with, with a decent forward-looking growth rate. But even the earnings that are starting to come out, we're a little concerned about. You know, they're projected to be up what I think about 7% this quarter. But I think the critical thing there will be the guidance we get and what some of these companies see, A, whether they give guidance or whether they they kind of avoid that question or situation as much as possible, or they give some guidance or they give negative guidance. And I think we're going to get a lot of insight as to what potentially is coming in the next six to nine months. All right. Well, sticking with some of the concerns that people are thinking about right now, and that another one is geopolitics. Of course, the volatile situation in Ukraine and the potential ramifications of that are top of mind for many people. So what is your counsel for investors and how are you adjusting portfolios in that regard? There are so many geopolitical situations going on in the world right now. And, you know, you've got the Russia-Ukraine situation. You've got how NATO is going to play out and try to support the Ukraine how the non-NATO countries, and I just read today that I think what Finland and uh, Sweden are thinking about becoming part of NATO because of what's happening in the Ukraine. For such a blatant 
invasion of a country by a superpower is just just appalling to all of us in the marketplace. And the negotiations that are going on in Iran right now with the nuclear situation, uh, the elections in France, there's just a lot of cross currents going on right now. And, you know, about the only thing you can do is kind of stay the course, uh, stay allocated to your discipline or your portfolios. Uh, hopefully advisors have blended in, you know, a couple of different strategies or models. So you've got good diversification within firms and strategies. Right. One other really concerning variable for advisors and investors at the moment is the potential for a recession. We have seen an inverted yield curve, and many people consider that to be a strong indicator that a recession could be near. So what do you consider the chances to be, and how can investors prepare? There is that potential for a recession out there, and what the definition of a recession is two negative quarters of GDP growth back-to-back. I highly think that we won't get two of those back-to-back quarters this year. I think we've got enough earnings out there and enough uh, consumer demand, although the consumer is very concerned about what's going on. They've seen a big erosion in their spending power because of rising prices and food prices and energy. I read an article today that probably the only thing that the consumer really has control over right now is their hours they're working. And with the huge demand for workers today, they probably can work the extra hours to get the extra funds to offset the price increases. But at some point, that can only work for so long. But I don't think there's going to be a a recession this year. If there's going to be one, it probably will get pushed off further, uh, depending upon how the consumer reacts to all the higher prices are seen. Yeah, you know, the historical data on recessions, I think, is probably better than people think it is. I mean, if we look at data, my research analyst ran the data recently. If you look at economic data going back 150 years, if you look year over year, so that's not quite the technical definition of recession that you mentioned, but if you look at year over year economic growth, it's only just a little bit above 10% of the time you have a contraction in the economy. And tell you the truth, a recession like that or a contraction in the economy like that is actually worse than inflation is typically. I mean, if you had to choose between the two evils. So I'm sure the Fed knows that. And probably, you know, a lot of people thinking about how aggressive they want to be. The Fed potentially could be. I'm sure they know the data that recessions are ultimately worse for the economy and the society than even inflation, which is still bad. All right. I got a question for you. And I this is something that's anecdotal to me, a question I used to get all the time, but I'm not getting now but I still get it on occasion, is global debt. And of course, global debt is at the highest levels ever. Do you get that question? And if so, how do you usually respond to it? The levels of global debt concern us. And I think a primary recent example is that actually, I think there's been an actual default by Russia on their debt because uh, they've had their financial resources so constrained that it's kind of forced them into a default. And what their last default was 1998 and the... uh, uh, on their domestic debt. And then you have to go back to 1917 uh, when they did default on their foreign debt right after the uh, revolution. So as rates go up, you're going to see companies and countries have a more difficult time making their interest rate payments. So that is concerning. And you know we would stay away from non-domestic, lower quality debt on an investment basis right now. All right. So I just hit you with a whole bunch of potential negatives. What are the positives that you see? Well, I think the um, positive today is that if the Fed were to have to pump some money back into the economy, they've raised rates a fair amount and rates have gone up a fair amount. So there probably is some 
arrows in their quiver right now that they could use if they had to. Earnings are still projected to be pretty good for this year. So, you know, that's a positive. I think that, you know, the basic, the consumer has to spend a certain level of their income no matter what. And it's just not like the consumer can turn everything off. And I haven't seen any numbers recently about what, you know, what is truly discretionary out of the consumer pocketbook, but it probably isn't too much more than 10 or 15%. I mean, have you seen anything like that, Rusty? No, I haven't. But the only thing I know is like consumers, trying to touch on that point, consumers, their financial condition is the best it's been in a long, long time. It is. So their savings rates, their, their cash on hand, all really strong at this point. So you bring this all together. So I heard stay the course. So what changes are you making this year in portfolios? Well, again, we haven't made any reallocations within the portfolios. We do have a slice of cash within our equity fund that's a component of all the mutual fund portfolios. So at some point, we'll be able to redeploy that cash at some better prices. We've been staying more large cap growth and value, kind of a blend We've avoided the uh, small cap market, which has been so volatile. You know, it started out great last year and kind of had a disappointing year-end decline. So stay in the core, stay in large cap, blend between growth and value. Nice. Well, I should be pointing out on the uh, podcast a couple of years ago, when the world was pretty scary, you have a pretty positive message and that worked out all right. So, but it has been a couple of years since you've been on the podcast and Robin and I have some new questions and we do have one new one coming your way here. And it is in our profession, we all have an obligation to perform at a high level, not only for our clients, but of course, for our families. So how do you maintain your health, both physical and mental, to ensure that you are performing well? In our business, it is a 24-7 business. So at some point, you just kind of have to put your phone down and leave it in the other room. Uh, Whether you go fishing or read a book or listen to some good music or work out, those are all good things that I try to do. Probably should work out more, but just kind of relax and get your mind off the markets and try to relax a little bit. So on that point, since you said fishing and reading, the last time you're on the podcast, you recommended a really fun book. It was Jimmy Buffett's A Pirate Looks at 50. And we both love the Gulf Coast down in Florida and the Florida Panhandle. So I need more of those reads. What do you recommend? Well, recently I've been reading some of the Brad Thor books and the most recent is uh, Spymaster, which is uh, a take on the Cold War and a lot of the spy mysteries, uh, you know, from the 70s and 80s. But it's been a good read so far. And he's got eight or nine other books up rally. Pick up a couple more in the next month or two. So, Do you know those, Robin? Mm-mm, I don't. Hey, I'm going to be a ball hog and just ask one more question here. Sure. Can I do that? Mm-hmm. So again, Bob and I, we both go down to the Florida Panhandle quite a bit. He's closer to, to Panama City. And I just mentioned Jimmy Buffett. And there was a big article in the Wall Street Journal recently. And I'm just curious if you know anything about it. But there's like a big community, 55 plus community being built down there at Margaritaville. Yeah. That sounds like off the chain. Have you seen anything about that? Yes. And what and it might look fact, like? They're rebuilding the infrastructure road that goes uh, from the airport west over to 79 and the new Margaritaville developments right there after you turn south. And it's fabulous. It's right there on the north shore of the West Bay. And I think they've, they're planning like three or 4,000 houses in that community and office and retail space. And they're really developing and it looks really nice. Wow. I almost wanted to say it was more houses than that. I can't, there's like St. Joe's that owns a lot of that forest land down in that neck of the woods. No pun intended. I want to say they got the permits for well over 100,000 homes. I mean, that sounds like the largest 
party of all time. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Every day. It sounds exhausting, actually. Yeah. And you know he's going to show up there sooner or later. So. Yep. All right. Well, before we let you go, Bob, do you have any other reading recommendations for investors and advisors aside from summer reads in Florida? Well, I think that everyone obviously needs to remember that we have the greatest country and the greatest economy in the world. And we've weathered a lot of storms. At times, it seems like there are so many negatives out there, but you kind of have to look through and look for the positives. And you can't overreact to things either way in the marketplace. You have to use those tools that we've developed over the years and those things that we've been taught from Finance 101 that still work. And so uh, I think it's more of uh, be patient and uh, stay the course. Good stuff. All right. Well, Bob, it's been great to have you on the show today. Tell us how can listeners stay in touch and learn more about the latest thinking at AMA? Super. Well, on the Orion website, we have a whole, whole host of periodicals that you can get access to, some video clips, our market commentaries. You can also go to our website, which is www.aamaweb.com. And we have a lot of the, the same publications there. My phone number is on the website. We're happy to have you give myself a call or our national sales manager, Aaron Ploskow. So feel free to call us. We love to talk about the markets. Well, Bob, thanks again for coming on the show. And I just want to put in a plug for the website. It's very easy to read. It's current and very accessible. So, and I also look forward to running into you again down in the panhandle. Absolutely. That'll be fun. Indeed. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week. Rusty, take us out with your final words. Be well and invest well. Aha, you mixed it up. (laughs) All right. Well, we will be back soon. Thanks for listening to The Weighing Machine. And thank you for your time and trust in Orion Advisor Solutions. The Weighing Machine is hosted by Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Strategist at Orion Advisor Solutions, and me, Robin Murray, freelance writer and editor. If you have feedback or questions about our podcast today, please send us a note at rusty at orion.com. All opinions expressed by Rusty Vanneman and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and don't reflect the opinion of or endorsement by Orion, its affiliate subsidiaries, and its employees. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for legal, tax, and investment decisions. The opinions are based upon information that participants consider reliable.